0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro. Parlay hour. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, 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 folks. We have a lot, and I know we kind of say this if you're a long-time listener of the ODPH, and thank you for tuning in each and every week. We have a lot to cover this week. Yeah, we do. In the land of entertainment, like some segments. We're actually going to have to really shorten up to get everything in because there's a lot going on in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. And you are tuned into the Entertainment Edition of the ODPH, and we want to interact with you after the show. So make sure you swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page with a link to the Patreon to sign up one tier, $2, and a lot of content on the way. In fact, this is a breaking news for the patrons. The Parlay Club coasters are in. So when I get back from New York... They'll be slowly but surely getting mailed out. So if you want to find out about that, you just got to sign up and boom, there it is. We'll make it happen for you. On, like I said, the T Public store where you can go get some ODPH swag and rumor has it there's a special sale going to be happening for New York Comic Con. Mm. Putting that out in the karma world. Parlay points block section, which always has got content dropping, especially on new comic book day. The directory, which Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 104,000. Sounds about right to me, so I'm not arguing that. The Classified section, which has friends of the show like 3FN podcast, organizational link support, and Black Lives Matter, voter registration anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod on social media. So, that said, we said we have a lot to talk about. Let's jump into one of the biggest stories of the week, and that is we're on the final home stretch mm-hmm. of one of the most iconic comic shows in all of television history. Mm-hmm. I think we can say that at the statement. Yeah, I would say so. Or at this point, rather. And that is we're on the final eight episodes of the quote-unquote flagship show of AMC's The Walking Dead. Yeah, The longtime comic book by Robert Kirkman's adaptation to the small screen has been very huge in crossing over to pop culture. Mm-hmm. It's dwindled down in its popularity, but with all these spinoffs coming, you would never think that. Yeah, really. Because there is five last we looked, I uh, wanna say.
1: Yeah, it's hard to keep track of sometimes. You know, there's the Daryl Dixon show, there's the Maggie and uh, Negan. The Negan show, there's the Rick Grimes and Michonne Event, you know, because that was supposed to be a movie. Now it's going to be a thing on TV, you know. So there, there's at least three. You know, obviously you got Fear the Walking Dead is going on. So there's, the real flagship. So there's four. You know, I don't. I think they're done with Worlds Beyond. I think that's over and done with.
0: I think Tails is coming back.
1: Tail, yeah. So there, so you got Tails. So there's
0: five. Yeah. So I mean, it's just not going away. But the flagship show, which started this whole. Phenomenon, if you will, mm-hmm. is now on the final stretch of its eight episode conclusion because this last season has been broken up into three sections each eight episodes. So now we are finally kicking off the final voyage. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of finals here, but hopefully it stays final. But then against the walking dead, who knows? It might just you know resurface later down the road. We don't know. Could be. But for right now, we have to recap the latest episode. Episode 17 of Season 11, entitled Lockdown. So if you're new to the ODPH, we always say this, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We do appreciate the like, follow, and subscribe. We give a spoiler-free statement for any topic we talk first, because we don't want to ruin anything for you. So if you're like, oh man, I completely forgot this was on, which a lot of people did.
1: Myself included, until Brandon Davis from comicbook.com posted a thing on his Instagram stories that I legitimately forgot it was back until I saw that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So if you're like, oh, man, I want to check this out before you guys start talking about it, simple. We'll tell you to pause the episode right here in the notes after the countdown so you don't miss anything. So when you listen, you can jump back and hear our deep dive and kind of give your thoughts on social media to us. That's how this works. It's interactive podcasting. 101. Saved you a click, everybody. But we give fair warning because after that countdown, it's spoiler talk and we do not hold back. So that said, Pad, give me a spoiler-free statement on the return of The Walking Dead.
1: Uh, like I said, forgot it was on until several hours before when Brandon Davis from comicbook.com posted something about it. So I had to do a little refresh because it's been, admittedly, you know, the last episode aired on April the 10th of mm-hmm. this year. So it's been a hot minute and a lot's happened in the world in, in our lives since then. So I had to look up a little recap and to catch myself up. But I really enjoyed the episode and I was enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would, you know, because I'll be honest, this is the first time. That the show's come back for a quote-unquote season premiere, you know, even though it's not an official season premiere, that I wasn't amped up and over the moon for just because for, you know, the last 10 years, this time of year has always been synonymous with The Walking Dead for me, you know, especially when I was in college, you know... The, the show was obviously the, the season past seasons it ended up on Netflix, but I'd want to rewatch the previous season before the new season come out, you know, but it wouldn't be on there fast enough. So I'd go out and buy the Blu-ray at Best Buy because it would always be out, you know, like uh, with enough time to binge watch the episodes before the new season. You know, so I, I, I've got ties with this show and this time of year going back to my college days, you know, 10 plus years ago, you know, so I'm normally excited about this, but I wasn't overly excited I was. It, it felt like kind of a slog to come back and watch it again mm-hmm. but watching the episode and, and maybe this you know credit for this goes to the director of the episode greg nicotero you know i really enjoyed the episode and it hooked me right back in there that i'm like you know what it's not the best thing on television right now but it's got me back in there that i want to see what happens
0: i agree with you this time of year especially going to new york comic con and obviously we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show the Walking Dead returning around this time—it's synonymous. Yeah, it's, it's almost clockwork. And for anybody that's been with the show since day one, it's always a big deal. Now people have jumped off for different reasons, and listen, I don't fault them for doing it because the show has not exactly been the same. No, in quite some time, uh, it's still good in our eyes enough that we cover it, but it's not the blockbuster, blowaway hit that it used to be. That dominated pop culture, rivaled the NFL on Sunday nights, mm-hmm. like. We have to kind of keep that in perspective. But going into this final stretch, I want to say there's a lot of pressure if you're a die-hard Walking Dead fan, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. But if you're a casual fan, the show was a solid one. Yeah, it was. It, it was. I, I can't really find a lot that I was, like, really going, uh about. Mm-hmm. I thought for being a quote-unquote premiere, because, I mean, I was a little bit of a cliffhanger that they jumped right into. Yeah. I thought they hit the ground running. I thought they really established the direction where we're going to a degree. And it's going to be interesting to see if this is how it's going to play out in comparison to how the comic ended. Right. So definitely a worth watch if you're a fan. That being said, in three, two, one. Spoiler, talk to me, pad. So like I said, I thought it was a really good episode. The stuff they did between with the action
1: sequences with Daryl's group and Negan's group was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, especially where where Negan sneaks up on the guy in the disguise, kills the kills the guard or soldier, or whatever, you know, takes the gun, slides it to the car. You just see the gun and somebody picks it up and you're like, Oh shit, who's picking it up? Oh, it's Daryl. Oh shit. You know, like the action sequences were awesome and the story was good enough that it kept me enticed. And yeah, there was that there was that head bit. Well oh boy.
0: Yeah, I will say there was a lot going on action-wise. We saw The Return of Daryl Wick, mm-hmm. which if you haven't uh, been keeping track of, he goes John Wick every now and again. He
1: does superhuman things.
0: Yes, out of ridiculously timed places. It's just it's something we just call reasons. reasons. But where the episode jumps in, obviously, you have Lance Hornsby, mm-hmm. uh, who is one of the scummiest characters we've seen in recent memory.
1: I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. The biggest dick on television.
0: Yeah, he's up there. He's in that conversation. He's legit up there because he is obviously a big person involved with the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Josh Hamilton who plays him really has dived into the crazy with him Mm -hmm. because now he's trying to undermine the uh, authorities of the Commonwealth and really just kind of take everything onto his own because, you know, with great power comes great corruption.
1: There's almost a cultish like, you know, aura to him where it's like, I am the end all be all. I know what's right. I know what's best for you. If you don't agree with what I say and agree with what I do, well, we're going to solve that.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely has that vibe to it. And obviously, as you see, he's kind of going in and just starting to take over the surrounding areas in town. Uh, they do run into the survivors that we've grown to know and love. We see Daryl Dixon, yep. who's obviously been still Norman Reedus in the role since day one. Yeah. And teaming with Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Negan, which is still bizarre for mm-hmm. me to see, I'm I'm so very much a humbled Negan. Yeah, it's I, I like he know. like
1: he can still turn it on and be that like evil maniacal bastard you know from seasons past. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, when you see him on the show, he's he's you know the dog that got in trouble, you know that tore up the couch or tore up the pillow, the throw, the throw pillow on the couch, mm-hmm. that like. Comes to looking at you, you know those sad puppy dog eyes, tail tucked between its legs, like, oh, I'm, so, you know, he's he still has that vibe to him for a majority of the time, though.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the one thing that makes his character stand. I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is just so captivating in this role, and, yeah, and just the the charisma that he brings to this is why this character still is around in this stage. To be honest with you, yeah. But to see how it plays out, obviously they do have their skirmish with the soldiers. It gets to be a wild scene. I mean, at one point, two Negan is rocking a Whisperer mask, mm-hmm. which I was like, "Oh, that's a flashback." And how long? Old you've been had- carri- Yeah, hard. how long you've been carrying that around? So when they start making their moves, obviously they get more people involved, like Maggie and some others yep. that are hiding. So yep. everybody's really just kind of having this big battle scene in this abandoned town, and then they do decide to have Negan be the scapegoat or the spy, if you yeah. will. Well, because
1: the simple fact is he was gone for a majority of the time, for the most of the time that they've been dealing with the, with Lance Hornsby and his soldiers, that, like, it's just the simple fact. I forget who brings it up. But it might have been Daryl or, or Maggie or somebody, but they were like, well, hey, listen, let's send Negan. It's not that we hate you. It's just, hey, they don't know who you are. You're a face they don't recognize.
0: Because, mm-hmm. like I say, they're more concerned about, okay, we've got this town liberated pretty much for the most part. We still have to stop Lance. We all know Lance. He knows us. We have to do something because, you know, with obviously more people at the Commonwealth, we need to do something. So Negan is elected for round two because, I mean, after he does this crazy getaway uh, mm-hmm. shooting escape the it's a wild scene to see happen especially that, those,
1: uh, yeah he's driving away in the what was it, like a pickup truck or a jeep it's almost or, like a bronco something those windows are a little tougher than i would have imagined them unless they had been like reinforced yeah I, that was that was the one thing that like it pulled it didn't fully pull me out but like they're shooting at this truck and like they're hitting like the back windshield and it's almost like it's semi bulletproof glass and i'm like i feel like that should have shattered by
0: now well that's the one thing too. It, we, but I also chalk it up to the zombie apocalypse world.
1: Yeah. Because yeah,
0: when there's logic involved, we just have to use what pad? Reasons. Reasons. And let it roll. Like, I suspend belief, too, because I'm going, okay, you have all these stormtroopers, because that's what they look like. Like, let's be honest. That outfit is Star Wars inspired. Yes. They're shooting semi-automatic machine guns at the Ford Bronco that Negan is escaping because he stabbed somebody, which I I have to say, their technique about um, taking out the soldiers is very, very uh, efficient, and everybody's doing it. Yeah, it is. Like It's almost like clockwork at this stage, which is yeah. a little creepy, but yeah. we're just going to let it roll. It's the times and uh, place they live in. Yeah, the zombie apocalypse is just a really odd place to see, but when you watch it at home, you're like, yeah, everybody's learning how to do this stuff really quick, and it's kind of scary. But then again, you have to adapt on the fly where, where you're living, because this is how he winds up getting the the truck away, mm-hmm. and then Daryl's hiding out in a, another car, in like so, a minivan or something. Yeah, so he kicks over the machine gun to him, and then the walkie-talkie. So they they make their triumphant escape as they go, and it's like I say, it's just more Walking Dead nonsense, but it works. Like yeah. it, it works in their favor. And then when they go, okay, what they're gonna do with the Commonwealth? it becomes a more wild scenario that's happening because as he goes and sacrifices himself to the Commonwealth, he runs into Mercer, who's the head security person there. And obviously, with what's going on, it's a very cool play on play because Negan is used to (laughs) being in this situation more than once. Like That's the one Mm -hmm. thing about him. He's not getting frazzled by what's going on with the Commonwealth and what they're doing. And with what Mercer is obviously being the enforcer of this group and he is somebody that has never backed down, it's a very interesting way to see how this is all playing out with him. And as he is just going back and forth, Negan is just playing this so cool. I mean, that's just something we have to give to him about this. He's not tipping anything off. Mercer's getting more frustrated. Yeah, and that's just something too with him is like you don't see him in that role that often. Mm-hmm. Usually he's the one that's dictating the pace. Usually he's the one that's saying, "Okay, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing this."
1: Well, that's why I said you know earlier, Negan can flip the switch on between you know the, his humble you know sad self and his old self because in his old self, you know he was this captivating cult like leader who had everyone at his beck and call. You know, made everyone was afraid of him. No one was ready to cross him. You know, and, and he just shows like, hey, listen, you know, I'm not that person anymore, but there's still a part of me that can go to that place.
0: Mm-hmm. But once they start going, and like I say, it's a great scene. And obviously, when Jeff, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's working with you, you're, he's pulling out a lot. Mm-hmm. And Michael James Shaw, who plays Mercer, is giving it right back to him. Like, yeah. like their chemistry, I thought, was very good Yeah, was. For, for establishing the scene. And then it kind of just shifts to like, well, what's going on at the Commonwealth? And basically that place is ready to go riot.
1: Yeah. Like there's a, uh, what is it? A, a herd nearby, a zombie herd nearby, you know, and and people are pissed off. They want it. They want answers. They're protesting outside of the government buildings or, what, or whatever, the town hall. You know they're making noise, in which you're like, okay, there's a fucking herd nearby. You might want to shut the hell up, you know. But the curfew gets uh, implemented. You know, hey, anybody out after dark will be arrested. Yada yada. Like, tear gas gets fired at one point. It's wild.
0: It's a crazy scene going on. But obviously, this goes to how this mob is now turning against Pamela and the structure of power in the hierarchy. The house of cards? Yeah, like, literally. That's what it is. Yeah, like, the hierarchy of the Commonwealth here is the house of cards. And you're seeing this because Pamela's son, Sebastian... Is like arguably another one of the worst human beings ever.
1: Yeah, it, it's funny because Pamela thinks, you know, the, the, her society, the Commonwealth, you know, is the brick house from the story of the three little pigs. So, like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, it's perfectly sound. Nothing can get in here. We're perfectly fine. Everything's good. When in all actuality, it's not made of stone, it's made of straw.
0: Yes, because as you've seen, the crowd is turning against her, and obviously the leaks out about what's been really going on with Sebastian is. Uh, taking a hold of the town like yeah. our perfect little world is gone.
1: <laughs> Wait, our perfect little world isn't so perfect?
0: Yeah. like it's, shocked. It's, it's a crazy scene. And like I say, Layla Robbins, who plays Pamela, was handling it very well because yeah. obviously she's used to dealing with the politics for her character. But seeing how her son is just an absolute train wreck of a human being because obviously he's done everything to more or less get Daryl killed mm-hmm. this entire time, which if you read the comics – there's a very similar thing going on with Daryl's character that Rick's was in the comics. Yeah. I don't know. And obviously, since they announced uh, spinoffs, I don't think it's going to end the same way, but we can always see and kind of how it's all going to play out. But I have to do say, though, T.O. Rap Olsen, who does play Sebastian, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's diving into the scumbaggery. Yeah. If I can use that word. Yeah. And it does play out because. Pamela's destined to like save her son from the angry mob, mm-hmm. who's now completely ready to go. Even with a curfew, that's not going to stop anybody, really. No, because you—how are you going to stop everybody who's now? Yeah,
1: there's more of us than there are of you.
0: Yeah, like it's just—it's a wild play, but it's kind of going back to like the world before the zombie apocalypse to mm-hmm. now. Like it's—it's it's a different play, and for everybody that's been in the Commonwealth, they're thinking, okay, this is back to normal. Like there is no zombie apocalypse, but anybody outside the walls. Yeah, oh, I think they beg to differ. Yeah,
1: really. You think things are all hunky dory and the world's okay? Yeah, it's really not.
0: Yeah, so you do see some of the other members of the the survivors walking around, and they're part of the mob too. Yep. And they're dealing with this, but then we kind of shift back to Carol. Mm-hmm. And Carol is doing Carol things, and obviously,
1: terminus Carol.
0: Yeah. How Melissa McBride plays Carol, you almost want to say there's like different personas, like almost yeah. like in in wrestling with. Uh, McFoley. Yes. We have Cactus Jack, Dude Love, and Mankind. Yes. Yes. I'm making that comparison with Carol because you have Terminus Carol. Who
1: will like kick your ass, take your name later, and ask no questions.
0: Yes. Like she has all these different personas, like we said, with Mm McFoley is kind of the easiest comparison where it's Mankind, Dude Love, Cactus Jack. You have Carol as in Kingdom Carol. Yep. When she was with Ezekiel. Yep. Then you have Terminus Carol. Yep. And then you have, uh, before Terminus Carol. And it's kind of just like this whole different, like, amalgam of different personas you see with her. But when she flips that switch and goes, Terminus Carol, she is one of the scariest people on TV. Uh, And one of the most deadly. Yes, because she does not give any Mm you-know-whats and just goes completely off the rails. And she's been doing this ever since she got to the Commonwealth, too. Yeah, Like, the persona... This double double agent
1: role type of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, to get Ezekiel in to get treatment, that was something she was pulling around. She's been snooping around here and then... She's been doing work on Pamela too. Like it's kind of a crazy scene to see but Melissa McBride has been doing this very well so it's it's almost like the norm now. Mm-hmm. But as we see, she goes and runs into Negan. Yeah. <laughs> which it still blows my mind to this day how calm she is when she sees him. Yeah. It's like, "Hello, friend." And it's oh, like, "Hi, how are you? What have you been up to?" Yeah, it's like we all seem to forget when he just smashed the hell out of uh, Glenn's face and oh, And Being Abraham like I say. I had to think about Abram for a second because it's been a while since we mentioned him on the show. But it's like one of those situations. Like, Negan's like, hey, what's going on? So they wind up getting recruited with a deal that's struck by Carol Mm -hmm. to go find Sebastian. And they do, which is another odd situation. But they try sneaking him back in to the mob scene Mm -hmm. because nobody's going home. Everybody's still rioting. And then, of course, they bring him in. It's not like they can sneak him in on like no. Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. And the minute that he's seen, because they just have him covered up with like a little jacket or blanket. And covering it's space, not even a big one. No, it's tiny. And yeah. he gets p- picked off, and they're all like, hey, Sebastian, Sebastian. Well, the
1: one guy is, and then nobody reacts to it. Like, you would have thought, hey, it's the guy we're all pissed off and want to hang by his toenails. Yeah. And nobody comes over. Nobody gives a fuck.
0: Well, you know what? I think that they were going to go to it, but then they started bumping in the zombie sounds. Yeah, that was the one thing I thought that they were trying to do. That almost—I know we're doing a lot of wrestling references here, but bear with me. It's kind of like when you're watching at home during the Vince McMahon era, and they would pump in applause. Yeah, you know, pops for certain wrestlers. Like it just come across differently on TV. Like maybe it was generated. I should say allegedly generated. Allegedly, allegedly. But it's one of those situations that you hear that and it's like they almost did the same thing here where they wanted – the producers wanted you to hear the zombie noise Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Then you figure, okay, that's what they were trying to say is to drown that out. So I do agree with you, though. I thought that was kind of a bad play. That might have been the one thing I didn't like about the show is like you sneak him in, but then you're still having this going on. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of ends with like we're going to have now the standoff of what's going to happen. Yep. And that's how the show wraps up. So, I mean, overall – it was solid. Yeah. I mean it wasn't the best thing in the world, but it was good. No, it was solid for what it needed to be. Because if you're gonna try doing something, you got literally now seven episodes left. How you're gonna play this out is obviously it's gonna be the towns against the Pamela led ar- ar- hierarchy. Yeah. And then Hornsby is lurking in the shadows. Like this is how it's all gonna end. You know there's gonna be a weird face off going on. And like we said, there was a lot going on with this too, with Hornsby challenging Daryl and the Survivors. Like I say. We had a lot going on, and you did see a lot of more familiar faces. Like, Aaron was yeah. in there for a quick quick second, and you saw, like, a, a lot of the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was kind of fleeting moments. It, it didn't really stand out. Like, a lot of this was just focused on Negan, yeah. which I like. I'm not mad about that. Yeah. But it was also, okay, where are we going to go now? Because you have so much limited time left. What are we doing? Right. And that's a situation that I think they're going to have to either struggle against or really kick in the gear. Mm-hmm. How do you think it's going to play?
1: Uh, I think it's going to kick into gear. Uh, looking at the next episode, the next episode is titled A New Deal, uh, directed by Jeffrey F. January, story by Corey Reed, teleplay by Corey Reed and Kevin Diebolt. Uh, You know, so I think it's going to kick into high gear just because I think it's one of those things that like, you know, the backs are against the proverbial wall. You know, it's not like in seasons past where it's like, oh, we, we, you know, we're renewed for another season. We know we can, you know, take a couple episodes to really build some stuff up for future seasons and then kick it into high gear the last few episodes. Like there are at least as of this recording, you know, there are no more seasons planned for Mm -hmm. this show. This is it. This is the end. You know, you know, to quote uh, Doctor Strange, we're in the endgame now. Yep. You know, so I don't think you can rest on your laurels. I don't think you can have any, quote, unquote, filler episodes. I think it's got to be you-know-what to the wall, you know, crazy. No, am I talking, like, every episode's got to be, like, the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones? No. But I think you, you can't have any episodes that are, like, so dialogue-heavy that, like, oh, we're really setting up some stuff for... Do-. Like, no, nah, you can't set anything up. You have to have your pieces in play.
0: I agree with you. I think that they're going to really need to emphasize on that and really finish strong. I think they have the potential to do that, and I think for where you've gone with the series, that's what it needs. I think if you go out on a whimper, which could happen. Could. I think the fan base is not going to accept it. But then again, they also have so many other shows with returning faces coming in. They're almost like playing with house money to a degree. Well, I
1: mean, the thing with the season finale is, according to the Wikipedia page, it is going to be directed by Greg Nicotero, uh, the teleplay by Corey Reed and Jim Barnes, but the story by Angela Kang. Okay. So that's the showrunner. Yeah, I was going to say. So it's going to be directed by one of the most well-known directors in the show's history, Greg Nicotero. Yeah. And then the story's done by the showrunner. So it should should be amazing finale.
0: Should is the key word. But then again, we've also seen some other season finales that have... uh... Missed the mark. Dexter? No, I'm just saying Walking Dead, too. Oh, well, yeah. That's walking Dead, yeah. is well, the all-time low bar. <laughs> At ODPH Podcast to debate that on Twitter anytime, any place. That is the lowest bar. And to we're site. not talking the most recent season. No, we're not. No, the New Blood season was on point. No, that was perfect. Uh, previously? No, him flying into a hurricane on his boat and then surviving and winding up in Oregon, I think. Reasons. But we'll talk about Dexter another time. Maybe we'll do something for Patreon with that. I don't know. But for The Walking Dead, though, it returned. Not the worst episode in the world, not the greatest either. Had its moments, a lot of action. So if you like John Wick, this is probably up your alley. And then where they are setting up the drama, I'm not sure exactly where they're going to go yet, but I'm definitely tuned in for it to see how this all plays out. In the meantime, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the latest episode of The Walking Dead? Are you excited for the season fin- series finale, allegedly? How is that all going to play out to you? Talk to us on social media. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies are b movies more your style then the folks over at they call this a movie have you covered join us every thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi action comedy and more we are available on itunes stitcher spotify and podbean at they call this a movie.podbean.com they called this a movie testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and we have to recap the latest episode of the hit smash series on HBO Max. The Game of Thrones spin-off House of the Dragon. And this show has definitely not slowed down one bit. In mm-hmm. fact, it's sped up that we have a new castings, we have a lot going on with this. The story of how we get to Game of Thrones has been one that is Tying into a lot of the older themes that we were already accustomed to, throwing some curveballs at us as well. Things are now getting messy on the show, so thus when that happens, you know it's always a must-watch show. And obviously HBO Max has had a tremendous run with this. I think they've already announced it's only going to go a couple more seasons. Something like that, yeah. I think they're wrapping up by, uh, maybe they'll do like a partial season four, but I think they said it's only got three seasons of life in it. And during that time, you definitely want to go check this out because it's been very, very good considering that said, we are going to be talking about the latest episode entitled Driftmark. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, you know the deal. Spoiler free statement, then the countdown, and it's fair game. So you have been warned. So, Pat, that being said, spoiler-free statement. Thought it was a good episode. Uh, overall. Thought it was a good episode overall, and I enjoyed it. They still tie in more of the same, but they did switch it up. I thought it was yeah. a solid episode. I know a lot of people were really clamoring about it online. And I understand why, because when you had some strong performances in here. It really carried through, and it really showed about why the hype is here with the show. I think it took a little while to get there, though, this episode. They were kind of dancing around a few other things until Mm -hmm. they got there. But once you get to the, I want to say heart and soul of this episode, it definitely clicked in. It definitely made sense. A couple things I didn't like, but I'm not going to hold it against it. Do I think it was a perfect episode? No, but I think there's enough that we can definitely talk about it and definitely recommend it. So that being said, three, two, one. Spoiler talk to me.
1: Thought it was a really good episode. A little creepy at parts, a little awkward at certain parts, you know, but that's Game of Thrones for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I enjoyed the episode.
0: You know they love their family circles. <laughs> Not family trees. <sighs> I it's the one thing about this franchise I just don't get about how much of that family marries each other. I understand about yeah. keeping their bloodlines together and, and Which is and, a thing and, from history. It's yeah, it's a thing. So, mm-hmm. like I say, yeah. but they do run that very heavy on this show.
1: Yeah, yeah, almost almost awkwardly so.
0: Yes, because we get to that a little later, but it kind of speeds up a little more faster than I think anybody was expecting. The show opens up because obviously Lady Lena uh died the last episode. Yep. And they're having a funeral for her at mm-hmm. Driftmark.
1: Yeah, very solemn somber moment.
0: Yeah, it's kind of not interesting play because obviously they put her casket and they send her off into the water. It's a very somber moment. Yeah. You're seeing a lot of people Watching, going, you know, giving the respects and just watching everything go by. And then you kind of see the MVP of the show, Matt Smith, a.k.a. Damon, smirking and almost like celebrating.
1: Oh, he laughed. And like in terms of like, you know, so you think of a funeral, you've got like the actual ceremony and then you've got the actual act of burying someone, you know. And so in the ceremony, in the the cathedral church, whatever it is, you know, everyone's quiet, everyone's somber. And he's just standing there. He just outright laughs out loud. Yeah. Like, it's not anything long or extended, but he's just like, (laughs) in the middle of the damn thing.
0: It's crazy, but it's something that his character does. Like, him and relationships on this show, Pat, how would you define them? Awkward. To say the least. And that's putting it mildly. To say the least. But I digress. So they have their moments, and then obviously you see Renera and Damon are kind of talking again to, and this has been something that, obviously, with their relationship being family, it's kind of a little more creepier than usual because they alluded to a couple seasons ago, or a couple episodes ago, I should say, yeah. that they were going to be hooking up. Yeah. And, I mean, that was a little crazy, and I know they now did the time jump, so we have a new actress playing in the role of Renera, and they are going back to that Well, one more time. Yeah,
1: well, I guarantee goddamn to you this ain't the last time.
0: Yeah, right, but obviously with where they're going in the direction, and especially they now have a new actress in the role. Emma Darcy has taken over the role. Mm -hmm. They're definitely going to be showing more of their relationship as they're moving forward. So you do wind up seeing them on the beach after the ceremony and uh, obviously getting to know each other a little more personally than uh, one would think. Yeah, but then again, this is Game of Thrones, so you haven't seen a lot of nudity lately. But you know, they start—it's coming. In. They start creeping in. I mean, it's just something they do with the show. It's—we've all grown accustomed to it. So you're seeing that they are now hooking up again, and then you go to where this pretty much is the heart of the story here, mm-hmm. because you start seeing the kids being involved. That yeah. obviously everybody's kind of gotten older. You do see more of the next generation of the Game of Thrones lineage appearing and you're seeing Prince Edmund is now trying to undermine the other side of the family because mm-hmm. obviously you know the whole frenemy thing going on with Alicent and Rhaenyra yep. is now extending because we're kids are now involved so uh, it, of course it, it's almost like the Heffields and McCoys but <laughs> you're, 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 you're involving dragons. <laughs> I mean, legitimately. That's that's
1: the perfect way to put it. That is. like that that's, is. that's the only way you can I can't do believe it. I
0: didn't think of that. No, like, legitimately, that is the easiest way to describe it if it you is. want to tell somebody. It is. Because you have Rhaenyra's family who is, like, the... I don't even want to say good people because, like... Nobody, nobody in this universe is good. Exactly. They're all bastards. They're all shades of gray. <laughs> yeah, I should say. Well, well, we get to that comment of that B word a little later in this segment. But it, it's... Something with the show that everybody has that shade of gray It just depends on what that shade is. Mm-hmm. And that's just something there's no good people on the show. Nope. At all. But this is why we watch it, because it's just... Uh, it's train wreck TV, just it with dragons. Kinda, yeah. But we can't turn away from it. And then we start seeing, obviously, now the kids are involved. And you see Prince Edmund decides that he is going to claim a dragon as his own. Good luck, kid. And you do see that kind of awkward moment where he's running on the beach and... You know, he confronts one. (laughs) And he does the whole, like, Jurassic Park hand-extended thing. Yeah. You know, like Chris Pratt does. Yeah. And you see him, like, suddenly wake up the dragon, and then all of a sudden we go back to never-ending story. That or or Harry Potter, yeah. Yeah, so the dragon, he mounts it and takes off for a flight, and you have this big scene going on. And then he comes back, and basically... You see that Edmund just decides to confront the other side of the family. Feeling good about himself. Yeah, and just said, yeah, I I have a dragon, so like, what are you guys going to do about it? (laughs) Like, (laughs) literally. Yeah. And then you see the entire other side of the family is jumping in and fighting him. He's the eldest one of this uh, crew here. But somebody's got a knife. Yep. Out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And it's Lucerne's. Mm-hmm. And he slashes Edmund's eye. Mm-hmm. And this is not a like little cut. Nope. This is nope. Uh, he probably ain't gonna see out of that eye anytime soon. No, but he was. It was all self defense because, well, well, sure. Ed, pff, Edmund had the one kid down choked, and he had a rock ready to smash his face in, like his uncle Damon.
1: When you when you show up with a fucking dragon ready to take people's heads off, I'm sorry, you don't get to claim self defense.
0: No. Well, it's it's. It's well, no, in sense? Uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm talking the other ones. Oh, okay. No, I'm, talk, okay, I'm, talk, I'm okay. talking Rhaenyra's kids. Yeah. I'm not oh, talking No, Oh, I no, gotcha. Edmund, Edmund brought this upon himself. So he's, you know, the fact that he's only walking away without one eye is, is kudos for him because he should have got his ass kicked by everybody there. But he winds up escaping because by this time the guards start showing up. Yep. And then you see that everybody's brought in front of the king. So Viserys is now getting involved. And he is so out of touch with everything. Mm-hmm. And like I say, this is not against Paddy Constantine. I think he's doing a great job with the oh, role yeah. he's given. Just something about how they write Viserys. It just drives me nuts.
1: Uh, I have a comparison to show you. I can't take credit for this. I saw this on Twitter, but I saw somebody compare King Viserys from episode one, episode seven. want to see if you agree with this.
0: Oh, it's the keeper. Uh-huh. The crypt keeper. Oh, Jesus, Marion Joseph. He looks bad. He
1: does. He-, he looks like one good gust of wind will blow this man over and kill him.
0: I mean, I know they're time jumping in an age in him, but he is definitely looking worse for wear.
1: Time is doing him no favors.
0: Right. So now he brings the entire family up there and he's trying to interrogate everybody. Meanwhile, Allison walks down and sees Raniero's kids are responsible for taking one of her kids' eyes out of him. Mm-hmm. And I will say, Olivia Cook, who plays the new Queen Allison, she definitely went crazy in this role
1: so she is clearly showing Allison ain't nobody to fuck with
0: yeah so like you thought the frenemy thing was a big deal before no 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 we go completely all in about this because renair is sitting there with her kids and trying to you know, figure out what's going on they're explaining what's happening allison is demanding justice and she's saying that we need to have an eye for an eye literally yeah and trying to have uh sir Kristen shout out him robbie yeah Go and get the kid's eye. I mean, it's Game of Thrones. So, I mean, it's a different landscape, different world, but still. Yeah. Yeah. And the king is like, no, we're not doing this. (laughs) We're going to be calm about this.
1: Everyone calm the fuck down.
0: Yeah. And Allison is like, nope, fuck this. She goes, grabs a knife, and goes running after the kid herself. Yeah. Which Rhaenyra decides to stand up to her literally. And there's a physical standoff. And something goes on with Rhaenyra, like all of a sudden it's like game on with her, mm-hmm. like the side of her we haven't seen before. It's much like Khaleesi, yeah, a little bit, you know. in it's game probably of where Wars. Khaleesi gets it from, yeah. Like you, you now start seeing this element, like when the fire hits there, and they have this great camera shot, of like the the blade staring her right in the face, and she's yeah. not blinking. Yeah, like this is where it goes completely crazy for this. So you do see that the king finally talks some sense in everybody, but Allison gets a parting shot on her arm. As she gets separated. So Well, and
1: the other thing, too, is uh, King Viserys also says, hey, anybody else who brings this shit up, I'm going to cut your tongues out. Yeah. So putting the kibosh on that for now.
0: Well, because the whole thing about this is, how did this all start? Well, we got called bastards. Yeah. And who said that? hmm And to the kids, I will say this, smart-ass answer, yeah. but not wrong. No, they're not wrong. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, but you didn't have to say it, you know, according to the great Stephen A. Smith. It was a situation that when Allison's kids are getting interrogated and the one without the eye points to the other, he goes, you can just see it. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely say that that's not her kids. And it's a wild thing to see, but the kid is trying to just insinuate, well, you're just looking at the optics and you're seeing this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there is just different genetic features. Let's
1: say I'm looking at one and one and it ain't equal one two.
0: Exactly. So... This now causes the king to just say, I'm had it. I'm not dealing with this. Fucking enough's enough. Enough rumors is going around. Because, I mean, everything surrounding the whole Game of Thrones group mm-hmm. is infidelity 101.
1: Well, and you got to figure these kids aren't newborns. You mm-hmm. know they're, they're of a certain age. So you got to figure these rumors have been dogging them since probably Rhaenyra was first pregnant.
0: Yes. And that's one thing that since Renero is pregnant and it's always been assumed that uh, Prince Lenore... Is the father, but mm-hmm. obviously the genetic features are not matching up with that. Yeah. That the fact that the king is now seeing this and the and the townspeople are talking and whisper, he is putting the clamp on this right now yeah. and saying, no, we are done talking about this. Yep. Forever. We are not going to have this done at all. And if it's done ever again, I'm going to cut anybody's tongues out. Literally. Because mm-hmm. he's just not messing around this time around. And If you doubt him, try him. Mm-hmm. But... While this is going on, Allison is like losing her mind. She gets taken away. She runs into the returning Hand of the King,
1: which have we done this before? It's like uh, recycling of the hand? Uh, without having read the Game of Thrones history or anything online? Not that I can think of,
0: no. I couldn't really place it if uh, Peter Dinklage's character was the hand and then wasn't and uh, then was back again.
1: Well, well, technically, yes, but that was for different people. Okay. Because he, he was technically the hand... For his nephew Joffrey, okay, and then there was that whole mess, and then he got exiled. He got smuggled out, and then he was technically Hand of the King again, but this time it was for Daenerys. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that you know that qualifies because it's two different regimes, but in terms of the title, yeah, he's technically been it
0: twice. Okay, so like I said, this just seemed kind of weird to me that they'd be rehiring Hands of the King, but you know, still it's Game of Thrones. Its reasons, time passes, it goes. And Otto is sitting there telling Allison, like, congratulations, we're on the path to winning. Mm -hmm. Which was such a weird scene, too. Yeah. Because, like, Allison is looking there, and everybody is looking at her absolutely crazy.
1: Right. Well, and he thinks they're on the path to winning, but so did the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl.
0: (sighs) Never forget that. Nope. Never forget that. Shout out to all our listeners in Atlanta. We, We will get some tweets about that. I digress. Going back to the story, though, you do see that. The sides are now getting drawn, and you do see that Lenore obviously has been taken out of commission. Yep. Because uh, he was too upset about his sister's death at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. He was not there to defend Rhaenyra. He's now basically saying, okay, what am I going to do now? And it's, it's something that everybody goes through when you lose a family member. Yeah, of course. It's like you kind of yeah. have like that sobering moment of yeah. time is not forever. Mm-hmm. We all have an expiration date. We all have mm-hmm. that time that what are we going to do with it now that we have it? And it's, it's a very cold feeling. Yeah. But it's one that he sits there and just basically says like, I don't want to have to lie about, you know, my sexuality. I don't want to have to do the honors that I'm supposed to be thrown into here. I want to try finding a way to escape. And he does find a way out of this pad. Do you remember how this goes down? Not off the top of my head. No. Cause he decides to go fake that sword fight. Ah, uh, okay. With his lover. Sir Carl. Hmm. And there's a body that's mysteriously found yep. in a fireplace. Timebox says it's not him. I don't think it's him. I think they they faked it out. Because he wants he just wants to live his life being be free, and then obviously if they can't track down what happened here, he escapes and gets to live happily ever after. Which is Game of Thrones, so obviously that won't be the case. But still, it's a good it's a good dream to have. Yeah. But then we do get the surprise of how his story ends. Mm-hmm. Because he does get to escape. Yeah, he does. As we all thought. I mean, it comes a little later in the episode, but yeah. I don't want to do too much time jumping here. He does escape with his lover, Sir Carl. Mm-hmm. So they take off. Now, granted, he has changed his appearance. He now has a shaved head. Yep. Hopefully, that will buy him some time to get to somewhere else.
1: Well, I mean, if, and, and hopefully, nobody recognizes him. But then again, if, if Clark Kent can wear a pair of glasses and nobody recognizes Superman, clearly a shaved head will work him wonders. This is true.
0: So anything's possible there. So I mean that's kind of like the bonus scene for the episode. But then we go back to yet again the family circle, <laughs> if you will. The family circle
1: that's shrinking.
0: Yes, because obviously Linera is dead, mm-hmm. allegedly. Yeah. So that means Ranera is a widow. Yeah. Damon's wife was killed. Yeah. So he's a widow. They decide to do a Targaryen wedding.
1: Uh in, in the old Valerian style.
0: Yeah. Which is Blood oath, hand-wrapped, face markings, the whole nine. Oh, oh, by the way, their respective children are there. Yeah. Which is just a weird scene. I mean, I saw this coming.
1: Well, yeah, we I think
0: we all did they, see this.
1: They've been having goo eyes across the table for multiple episodes here.
0: Right. And everybody's just kind of ignoring their family, but it's a Game of Thrones thing. So, you know, we're all used to this by now. Oh, oh it's just a phase. They'll, yeah. they'll grow out of it. Exactly. 15 years later. Yeah. But that's how that episode ends. So there's a lot of drama going on, but only with a couple more episodes left this season. I'm going to say it was a good drama because they're cleaning up a lot for the different uh, story arcs. Mm-hmm. But I think the takeaways from this is, okay, Allison and Rhaenyra, Hatfield and McCoys, 2.0. Pretty much. Is really hitting the ground running. And you know Allison is going to be striking back at some point. There is no way that she's taking this lying down. She's not going to be calm about this. No. I expect to see a lot more green on the screen because the declaration of war is coming. Yeah, it is. And then for Rhaenyra and Damon, I think somebody's not making it to the next season. I have a feeling. I don't want to say like they have a happily ever ever after, because nobody does on the show. But then it's like, well, somebody's got to get killed off. But who?
1: I hope it's not Matt Smith.
0: I hope not either, because Matt Smith is the MVP. Bar none. Bar none. He's, He's the most fascinating character on the show. Everybody else is, like, starting to get their timing. Like I said, th- th- with Renara, she's getting better. Right. I mean, obviously, the time jump does help a lot. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, if you want to speculate based off of the episode titles, the next episode is titled The Lord of the Tides. Uh, the penultimate episode, which, again, we'll see if they continue the Game of Thrones tradition of batshit crazy things in the penultimate episode, is titled The Green Council, and then the season finale is titled The Black Queen.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's got to end with a big battle somewhere. Like, we have not had that much action you some, but nothing to the level you would expect. Exactly. For a Game of Thrones show, we're expecting a lot more. So I think that Green Council episode is going to be the money one. I think that that is going to be the battle of Winterfell or whatever big battle you can think of in Game of Thrones style. I think it's going to deliver on it, too. I think they've been very smart with this show. And then I think that as long as they keep diving into it a little more, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how we go for Season 2. But I am expecting a big character get killed off. If it's not Viser- Viserys, I'm not sure who, though. I think he's the safe bet. I think the leap is ranera But we'll have to kind of watch and see when this goes down on Sunday night's HBO Max. Wherever you get to watch your HBO TV from, too, I'm sure it's on there as well. That said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag OdiePagePod. What is your thoughts about the House of Dragons episode Driftmark? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's discuss this, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game For A Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Andre.
1: There's no special features on that goddamn DVD, alright? Oh, wow. For Hansel and, Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. You have the you DVD Hansel yeah, and Gretel. She basically has sex with it, somehow. Uh, it, foreplay. Yeah, yes. She's, well, she's chair foreplay. Yeah, I mean, they knocked it out of the park, which is why it's fun to be Oh! oh! <laughs> yes. I mean, I wouldn't be in it because this movie doesn't have women. Uh, you know, you has paycheck, one right. It has one?
0: You it would have three lines of dialogue. No, she has of <laughs> oh.
1: Okay. So I'm actually okay. gonna get like I actually get like I earn my my, my four sentences of dialogue rather than
0: like here, I have a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp.
1: Oh wow. anyway, we're Third Phoenix too. Uh, so no, so no. No. <laughs> no. No. No.
0: no Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her fighting detective, ex-detective Phillips' dick. Okay. But we don't Okay a hot tub. I, I know all of those words were English, but the way you constructed yeah, them, I'm I, lost. I'm not, not finding the arrangement <laughs> on them very
1: well. For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and
0: an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and we still have to recap Disney Pluses big smash show mm-hmm. from marvel studios mm-hmm. definitely is winning people over definitely still causing a polarizing reaction for whatever nonsense reasons either you love it or you hate it at this point but if you don't love it then don't watch it like that's yep. my my big takeaway with this because the show is different it has a cool vibe to it and it's not something you see with every single superhero show so if it's not your cup of tea then go get something else out of the fridge
1: or just wait you know two more weeks for the final two episodes to watch to drop and then just watch them both back to back
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's something that if you Like, gonna...
1: I, I get people are anticipating and awaiting, you know, the, the arrival of Daredevil, which, spoiler alert, he doesn't show up in this episode. Right. And I know people are losing their shit over it, but last I checked, the show was titled She-Hulk Attorney at Law, not Daredevil Attorney at Law.
0: Right, but and that was the one problem that I think when they did this, because obviously we're going to talk She-Hulk Attorney at Law from Disney Plus and Marvel Studios. The situation is, when they teased Daredevil, I figured there was going to be one of two things. Mm-hmm. Either it's going to be the quick cameo sure. that you would see at the end of the season finale, sure, which I think it's going to be at this stage. It could be, or they were going to have him featured more prominently in the series. Being nine episodes, we're kind of we really weren't sure what was going to go on here. The show has been fun, yeah, and the show is supposed to be lighthearted. It's I hate saying rom com because I don't like rom coms, but this is kind of like in that kind of same vibe. It's
1: in a rom com vibe, but not so much on the rom part of
0: it right it's just it's not so overwhelming yeah i guess is kind of the big thing because I've, there's I've, romance
1: aspects to it but like if you're expecting like her to fall in love with the guy at the end of the series that's probably not going to happen
0: right they're playing around to the great comic runs from john byrne charles soul yeah you know dan slot like you have a lot of people that have dabbled in jennifer walter's life and really made it a fun and interesting experience like not everything has to be traditional superhero and I know with Tatiana Maslani being in the title role, she's been absolutely great in it. Yeah. And it's if it's not connecting with you at the stage, like then just tune it off. But there's more people that are into it because, you know what, the social media buzz after an episode drops is a lot bigger. And the negative voices are getting quieter. And that's one thing I, I will say I do like. I still see a little bit here and there. like People are still complaining about the twerking episode. Do you believe that?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so.
0: You know, like I say, but it's like, why? Why this age? It, and it had nothing to do with anything. It was a bonus scene. Yeah, it was just it was just a fun scene written
1: by a writer who was a big fan of the artist and for Tatiana Maslany, who was also a big fan
0: of Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah, so, like, the fact that everybody's flipping out about it, calm down.
1: I, I maintain if it was Deadpool in that scene, people would have lost their fucking shit and loved it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it goes back to the whole thing. If you like the dancing in Guardians of the Galaxy and the whole thing along there, yeah, then you should not be complaining about anything happening here because it's the same vibe the same. So that said, spoiler-free statement time on The Retreat, Episode 7 of She-Hulk. Pat, what you got? thought it was an okay episode.
1: It wasn't necessarily the best thing in the world. It wasn't necessarily the worst. It, it was still fun. You know, it was kind of like a nice break from what they'd been doing.
0: I agree with you. I think this was a fun—I don't want to use the word filler— But I think they established enough, and the final scene of this episode really captivated the audience enough that you have an idea where this is going. Mm -hmm. I have my own theories about who I think is where, so we'll get into that when we get into spoiler free talk.
1: Well, and plus the thing about too was like she, you know, Jennifer Walters has been just go 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 go, you know, the entire season. That like even even with stuff in her personal life between the dates and and the entourage and all this other stuff, you know. She's just not had a chance to like stop and decompress and process everything, Mm -hmm. and this was a nice opportunity for her to do so.
0: Yeah. So that said, spoiler time. Talk. Let's get into it. Three, two, one. Thought it was a fun episode.
1: Wasn't? I did not see it going this way. You know, once it started, we're like, oh, she's gonna go meet Emil Blonsky because. You know there are possible issues that he might have gotten out of his collar that prevents him from transforming. And I'm like, oh shit, like this sounds crazy. And then it kind of took a left turn, but it was a fu- it ended up being a fun left turn. You know, it wasn't necessarily like the worst thing I've ever seen, but I still enjoyed it.
0: I laughed hysterically when I saw Porcupine. I was dying as an old school Marvel reader. I was dying laughing that that we now have a live action Porcupine. This is some throwback stuff to the '70s and '80s, my friend, and I am here for it. Because where this episode jumps in, obviously, Jennifer Walters has been courted by a mysterious stranger named Josh, who she hooked up with at a wedding that Mm -hmm. she just got done uh, fighting her nemesis, uh, Titania. Mm -hmm. And she's been, you know, obviously... She's she's, uh, fallen for him. Fallen for him. And after the uh, infamous night, he disappears and goes, sir. Yeah. So she is now freaking out about it, but she doesn't have a lot of time to deal with this. Nope. Because her star client, I mean, I think at this stage we can say he's a star client. Yeah. Has uh, possibly violated parole? Yeah, so
1: uh, she gets informed by her uh, Emil Blonsky's parole officer that the inhibitor chip, inhibitor bracelet, whatever the hell that thing is. That stops him from turning into the abomination is broken, and that you know he wants her to accompany him to check on it and make sure everything's you know on the on the up and up and a okay. Because well, he doesn't necessarily want to go into a situation facing the abomination as a normal
0: human being. Mm-hmm. So she winds up going up there, and it's in like the
1: middle of fucking
0: nowhere, California. Exactly, and the Summer Twilight Retreat is absolutely wild
1: this thing is like in the hills like, yeah.
0: like no cell service yes and as soon as she goes up there and blonsky's like yeah, everything's all right blah, blah blah
1: well and it's funny she pulls up to the she pulls up to the gate of the compound or whatever it is mm-hmm. and the guy the parole officer is having the hardest time punching the code in to get into the gate as soon as she rolls up he gets the code in right She keeps driving through, and you just hear the parole officer go, wait, 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 and he has to scramble back in his car, turn the car back on, get going before the gate shuts on him.
0: Yeah, and then when he's gone, you do see a fight break out on her car Mm -hmm. with El Aguila and Bolt. Some of the straight-up D-list definition villains of Marvel history.
1: This has got some, like, 70s, you-were-on-some-stuff
0: vibes to it. Oh, my God, yes, and I was here for this. I was here for this. So her car is wrecked, so she has to wait for a ride to get her out of there.
1: And it's going to be, like, the end of the day.
0: Yes, because... There's no cell coverage in this retreat well there is
1: there's one tiny itty bitty little square foot of space on the retreat that's got cell service mm-hmm. you know and she finds it to get some somebody out there, but like we said, it's going to be the end of the day before they can get there because hey it's in the middle of fucking
0: nowhere yeah and she's losing her mind because she, he can't get a hold of Josh like this mm-hmm. is still driving her entire episode so while she's waiting, she decides to go to one of Blonsky's Therapy sessions and tim roth is eating this scenery up alive
1: and and it's not so much she goes to she kind of like stumbles her way in in a way because the one square foot of cell service because there's a, a short montage of her walking all over the compound with her phone in the air and in all sorts of directions trying to get cell service the one spot she can get cell service is in the room where he has his group meetings you know with the other folks at the retreat Mm-hmm. and they're like hey what's going on and she tells him like hey well you got time to kill? sit down and join us
0: yes and she's joined by a complete all-star lineup of d-list villains from marvel and porcupine is the mvp of this one if you've never seen his gloriousness in the 70s and 80s maybe you should uh go through marvel unlimited go check it out i'm hoping the multiverse of badness covers this because this would be a phenomenal character to cover uh, Sarakin Ser- is with mm-hmm. them, too, who's allegedly a vampire, if you don't know. Aguila, who can generate lightning through a sword. Yep. And Manbull, who is, well, you know, a Manbull. But then they run into a familiar face, too. Yeah. And that is who, Pad? Wrecker of the Wrecking Crew. Yes, yeah, so the Wrecking Crew, who has magical weapons of Asgardian nature. From episode one? Episode two? I believe episode two. one, one of those, One yeah. of those first two. They were early in the season, and they were the ones that were trying to originally get her blood. Yeah. So he comes back there, and it's like a meeting, because she immediately hulks up and is ready to go. And he's like, whoa, 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 I've changed, I've changed. Hey, I'm not that person anymore. But she doesn't really. he doesn't really tip off what's going on of how he got hired for the job. He kind of, like, dances mm-hmm. around it a little bit. So it's not to say, like, this is a setup or anything. It could play out to be, which, if you know anything about the Wrecking Crew, I mean, they're pretty much hired guns in the MCU, the yep. comics universe. So... Maybe it is, maybe it's not, and I could see him obviously not knowing all the information. But then they all start having a bonding ceremony there, and you do see that the villains are ready to go fight Josh in Jennifer Walters' defense. Mm-hmm. It's a cool bonding experience. They talk porcupine and taking his mask off. Oh and God! It was fantastic. How about kill
1: everyone in the room?
0: Uh huh. Because they're like, "Do you ever take that off?" He's like, "Well, no." <laughs> And it's it, it, it plays into the 70s of the, the writing style of Marvel villains. Like, well, and I
1: love how that came to play in the end credits where like the end credits are always like kind of like, well, oh, what happened after the episode type mm. of thing? You know, and it's the drawings. I love that, like, they finally convinced him in the end credit drawings to go get that thing. Because I think they mentioned getting it dry cleaned yep. in the episode. Well, he he does go to get it dry cleaned in, like, the end credit drawings. And it's him taking it to the dry cleaners and the dry cleaner having this, like, disgusted look on her face. Like, this is the most nasty thing she's ever seen. And he just, like, got this smile
0: on his face. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. But they have that bonding ceremony. And then the end result is Jen deletes Josh's phone number out of her phone. Mm-hmm and she does get picked off they she now has her own dare I say great lake Avengers by her side kinda she she does have a group because they're basically like keep in touch and if something should happen yeah we'll come <laughs> we'll go fight Josh which it's it's just it's a fun episode like yeah. that's, that's a big takeaway from this. Yeah. But where this ties into the rest of the series, though, mm-hmm. we do find out that Josh, well, the Internet was right
1: three days earlier or whatever the hell it is. Uh, so it flashes back to the scene we saw earlier in the episode where it was the two of them together at the house. And, and what we saw earlier was, you know, she woke up and he was gone. Well, we see what happened. After he got up from the bed and went to leave, he didn't just sneak out of the house. Oh, no, 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 folks. He took his phone, did some fancy schmancy wizardry technology stuff, put his phone on top of her phone, copied the whole thing, uh, you know, cloned it or whatever. Uh, He stole a sample of her blood on behalf of the Hulk king all one word, but I don't know if it's two or whatever it is. Uh, you know, and so he he and he texts the Hulk King, you know, three emojis. It's like a phone or something, the the vial, and then the green. Like, he's basically like, hey, I got what we need, and he leaves. So, uh, he's been playing her the entire time. He's not romantically interested in her. He just wants her
0: blood. Yeah, for the intelligent uh, group there. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it was on behalf of the name of Hulk King. Yeah. So, I am wondering... All right. Knowing the history of the Inteljecka group.
1: I gotta guess. Mephisto.
0: No, no, no. Oh. But th- that would make sense. Oh, okay. Some point I'm gonna be right. Law of averages. I know it's, it's gonna happen one day. Like I say, I still think that you should do the body swapping thing. You just have it be a rotating cast <laughs> as Mephisto. At this stage at this stage it would make sense. Like I'm sorry, like Mephisto's the... been here all along, you just haven't seen him yet. Exactly. Just have him be just like lurking in the corner you know he's like the janitor at uh, one thing he's the waiter uh, you know some other table he's like there. it's
1: like some random background extra who like it didn't have a part at all but like it's it's kind of like how they eventually retcon the kid in iron man 2 to be uh to be
0: peter parker, peter parker yeah, you know, yeah they'll do that like that's what they need to do just all of a sudden do these flashbacks and his eyes turn red it's,
1: it was mephisto all along
0: yeah like he's just secretly been there like somebody in the movie theater just eating popcorn just watching everything so i think with this villain though I'll take a leap and a lock. Sure. Okay. So my leap, I'm going to say is the maestro. Ooh, okay. From Future Imperfect. Sure. And could it and i I'm hearing a lot of online talk too with the multiverse and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could it be Eric Bana? Oh. Now, granted, that's real stretching. Hmm. So uh, that's why I said that's my leap. So I'm going to throw that fun topic out there. Cause somebody was saying uh is reading a lot more online too about that. Sure. That it could be, but I'm like, that would make sense, yeah. But then again, I also have to think She-Hulk. Sure. So I don't know if they would do that because that is more of a Mark Ruffalo project. Sure. Just because like the history of those two characters—if you've never read Future Imperfect, sure—the original series, it's a it's a great story. But I think the lock here—I'm leaning more and more that Ron from Three FN was right, and it's the leader. Could be. I think that that might make sense. Just the whole name of Hulk King, though. I'm just trying to think, well, who would think they're a king of the Hulks? Mm -hmm. And you would think Abomination would be, but then again, this is like a weird long play if they wanted to do that. That'd be a
1: weird long play. I was thinking maybe Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer is a safe bet, too. I could could see Justin Hammer just because he tried the whole copy Tony Stark thing. That whole thing didn't work. It would be kind of, you know, not exactly a smart idea to do it now since Tony's dead and the world loves him. Mm -hmm. You know, So I could see him going the Hulk route and trying to create his own army of Hulks type
0: of thing. It, it would make sense. I mean, that's the thing. If you get that blood, you can do a lot of things with yeah,
1: it. Sell it to the highs
0: better. And I'm just wondering, would they make that the big vads of um, New World Order? Mm, like, now I'm, I'm kind of buying more into that idea because I'm just trying to think what that name Because I don't think that's a throwaway name of Hulk King. No. Like, it could be. And then if it is, hey, I'll just come on next week and say I was wrong. I just think for how they're setting this up. I, I think it's whatever
1: the word is, and I don't even know if there's a word for it. But I think it's it's like a hint or a clue as to what that person's end game is. Mm-hmm. That like they want to be the king of the hulks, and that's not necessarily to say, you know, oh, I'm in charge of all of, of the Hulk and and She Hulk. No, I'm in I'm the ruler of an army of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could always be Julie Louis Dreyfus's character too.
1: Yeah, that's that's also a safe bet.
0: Yeah, because I know that we saw the quote unquote possible lineup of thunderbolts i've still not sold it that that is the real case i know i saw the promotional art so you gotta think it is but well, it
1: was also revealed at d23 yeah
0: so i mean they might add somebody in later you never know yeah, you they could you could they, they could do it i mean marvel's been known to throw a curveball here and there once or twice yeah so we kind of have to wait and see but overall fun episode final yeah. thoughts on it? it was
1: a fun episode a nice little break from the action before we get these final two episodes you know and see where things go from here i i really think though where this isn't going to be a one and done show, I think if, at some point, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to work in the traditional television sense, where or or like the Mandalorian, where like we're going to get one episode or one season a year. I think it's going to be a season two at some point.
0: I agree. I think that we're going to get season two. I think that they can bring it back whenever they need to because it doesn't have to fit into anything really. All it has to do is be if it's going to be a setup for another show, they can definitely plug and play as they need to. But I think the show has done well enough that I think it's going to come back. I don't see any reason they wouldn't. And there's a lot more stories you can tell with Jennifer Walters in the title role. So I'm here for it. So that being said, go check the show out if you haven't already. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. And let us know what you thought about the retreat. Episode 7 of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. We give you our takes now. We want to hear yours. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sidewind Sounds, and you're listening to ODPH podcast.
1: Wanna go where no know, one knows my name? To the desert, the
0: oceans, or the plains? Cause I wanna coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a
1: couple of things to talk about. Uh, first of which being uh, this week's episode of Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power. Holy fucking shit! Yeah uh i did not get to watch it when it first dropped because i'm not that much of a psychopath i did not stay up until 3 a.m i'm surprised though <laughs> well also the episodes are too long for me to watch before i go to work so i typically watch them after i get out of work and i go home and i'd been hearing all day how oh episode six titled udun was the best episode of this of the series thus far and i was like all right well we'll see it lived up to the hype and then some Uh, You know, I don't want to get into too many spoilers because if you haven't seen the episode yet, you're catching up. You know, you're behind a little bit. You should absolutely watch it for yourself. But it is hands down the best episode thus far. Between the battle sequences, the the stuff they're setting up for down the road, there's a couple of characters I think we're starting to figure out who they will eventually turn into. Because while this isn't a show that I think will end, you know, right when the Hobbit began, mm-hmm. I think it, there are a couple of players if you pay attention to some of the names and and what have you that have to get to certain places. And while there are others, you know, in this show that I don't think they've necessarily said who they are or who they're going to be. If you pay attention to, you know, the dots and you connect them yourselves, I think you can figure out pretty easily uh, what they're going to do. You know, the action sequence and battle sequence was otherworldly. It was amazing. You know, the composer of the music, bear McCreary, Holy shit. Like I wanted Howard shore who had composed all of the film music to this point to do the show. And he said he wasn't going to do it. He did do the title sequence, which is an amazing title sequence uh, song. But you know Barry McCreary, each week has been living up to my expectations of this of the show. What I expect from the music, and, and this week was no exception. The music was incredible. The action sequences were incredible. The acting was incredible. The fucking cliffhanger at the ending, which I mean, if if you're not quite sure what's going on with that end shot, watch the movies. Yeah. Uh, if you if you put two and two together with a prominent feature in the movies uh, or a prominent place in the movies, you can figure out what that was in the end.
0: Yeah, it definitely pops out right there. I mean, yeah. it looked fantastic.
1: Uh, and they are obviously setting up for the season finale, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks, next week actually, uh, because you've got Episode 7 uh, dropping this week, uh, the season finale dropping on October 14th, uh, and they did post a, they being the Lord of the Rings on Prime, Instagram account did post, I guess you could say, call it a poster where it says, Evil Reveals Itself, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, watch now, new series. And on said photo is the one, the only, the Balrog.
0: Yes. So
1: something tells me they're not, which, I mean, I have this slight spoiler, but if you, if you, it's enough weeks have gone by. I thought they were teasing a couple episodes ago when things in the Moria, you know, khazad started rumbling and bumbling and shaking. I was wrong, but it looks based off of this, if they're, listen, if they're teasing the, the Balrog, Someone tells me they're going to delve a little too deeply in Moria here in the season finale. Could that be the end shot? I, I I could see it being the end shot. It's a hell of an end shot if they choose to go that
0: way. Oh, it's absolutely a hell of an end shot.
1: Yeah. So we'll have to see, but I'm super excited for this. It's been a phenomenal series. If you haven't watched it, you really should get on that. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, switching over to some Marvel news because we got a fair amount of that. Yes, uh, we uh, it was announced this week uh, that the Don Cheadle Armor Wars television series is now being developed as a movie. Hmm. Uh, reading from an article on HollywoodReporter.com, it says, "quote Marvel Studios has shaken up its Armor Wars project and now what was to have been a series for Disney Plus will be redeveloped as a feature film." The move essentially pushes back the title further down the development slate. Sources say the studio was committed in getting the story told the right way, and in that process, realized that a feature was was better suited for the project. Like all Marvel movies, it is intended for a theatrical release. Don Cheadle, who is reprising his longtime Marvel Cinematic Universe role as Colonel James Rhodey Rhodes, aka War Machine, remains on board to star, yasir lester who was acting as head writer on the series will remain as its feature scribe marvel had been eyeing a 2023 start of production on the series but the few people who were gearing up for that were notified thursday of the change of direction no directors have been officially attached and it was it is unclear uh when an armor wars feature would pop up on pop on marvel's timeline of its phases of movies and disney plus series uh so makes sense i mean that's one of the things i think they've been clear with from the start they're like hey we're going to do these tv series but if we feel the need to turn them into movies we'll, we'll do that and this is clearly
0: clearly the first instance of that yeah this one kind of took me by surprise i mean war machine is not a lead character no it just never has been so to see this put in a position that it's going to be a feature film i mean sure. kudos to don cheadle yeah I mean, absolutely that's going to be a big win for him talk about putting in that work and getting the rewards yeah exactly so I'm intrigued by this. I, I am too. I don't know necessarily. I thought Disney Plus would have been a better fit for it just because Rhodey, like I say, has typically been sure a, a, a secondary character. Like we've seen he's had some success in the comics run by himself. But I treat it more like The Scarlet Witch, too. Like, same thing. Like, they've had fleeting success here and there, but do we need a full movie for them? I
1: don't think it's necessarily, you know, Don Cheadle himself, which, listen, he's a fantastic oh, actor. Fantastic. A- fantastic. actor. I think it's just the substance of the story itself mm. warranted, you know. And I know some people are speculating, well, this means that uh, Tony Stark is going to show up. Maybe. Maybe not. Voice over, if anything. You, you know, if anything, it could be. But I don't think just that alone is enough to push it into movie territory. Mm. You know... I, I think it's just a simple fact of they looked at the story, they looked at the story they were telling, and they're like, this is too small to do on the small screen. We need to do this on the big screen.
0: Well, it's one of the most iconic Iron Man stories of all time. Yeah. Like, if you really know the backstory behind it. I'm waiting to see, before I really start deep diving in on that for a trailer, then I want to see where they're going with it, because sometimes they might just throw a name on there mm-hmm. and then go a completely different yeah. direction. So it's surprising that they're going to do this on the big screen like this, but I'm here for it. I'm still going to watch it yeah. open tonight.
1: Uh, more Marvel news. Uh, reading from an article on HollywoodReporter.com says Agatha Coven of Chaos, the WandaVision spinoff starring Catherine Hahn, has added a familiar face to its lineup. Mm. Emma Caulfield will reprise her role as Dottie, the, na- okay. the neighbor to Elizabeth Olsen's Wanda, that some audiences theorized would be a big bat of WandaVision. Uh, the series eventually revealed that neighbor Agnes, uh, played by Hahn, was pulling the strings when she unveiled as was unveiled as the powerful witch Agatha Harkness. Uh, Caulfield shared the news of her casting in an interview with Vanity Fair published Tuesday, in which she revealed she had been battling multiple scler- sclerosis in private for more than a decade. Oh wow! In the interview, she noted that she feared MS would affect her livelihood, but had this has decided to go public in part of in part for her younger daughter to raise awareness. Close quote. So shout out to her for absolutely f- for fighting that. That's crazy. Yeah, but I'm all for Dottie showing up. Dottie was awesome in uh, Wandavision.
0: Yeah, no, I completely surprised. we're seeing her come back but happy like like I say I I don't know what they're going to do with that show when they get rolling on it but I'm here for it so let's bring it
1: on Uh, and then even more Marvel news uh, it has been revealed that Michael Waldron is going to write the upcoming uh, script for Avengers Secret Wars Hmm. Uh, so reading from Deadline.com it says quote following the success of Loki and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness Michael Waldron looks to be in line for another high profile Marvel property as sources tell Deadline he is set to write Avengers Secret Wars for Marvel Studios Studios deadline recently broke that jeff loveness was on board to write avengers the kang dynasty following the news destin daniel Cretton would direct kang dynasty for marvel studios and now both films have locked up their writers insiders add that secret wars will have its own director though it's assumed all parties will be in touch while the films are in development marvel studios president kevin feige is producing uh so and then marvel studios had no comment on the Walter news so for those of you who don't know of course uh Waldron was is if you go to his imdb page he is known for being a producer on the television series loki uh, a producer for the television series rick and morty he was the writer for dr strange in the multiverse of madness and fun fact he is a producer on the heels television show on stars with Stephen amell hmm
0: well, that sounds
1: fun uh, yeah so writer of multiverse of madness something tells me uh, secret wars is going to be all sorts of fucking crazy
0: that makes sense. Yeah. If you have read the Jonathan Hickman story, which I think they're running with, I don't. I don't think they're doing the 1980s Beyonder one. That for right now, I'm just going to put that out there. Hmm. Yeah. You need somebody that's going to write with a little edge to it. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then lastly, for the Marvel stuff, we did get a trailer this week uh, for the black upcoming film Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yes. Uh, which is of course coming in theaters November 11th with t- uh, tickets being on sale now. And I'm just going to go ahead and say now, great trailer. Although this is going to be an emotional roller coaster ride of a film that's going to rip our fucking hearts
0: out. Yeah, give me Namor, give me badass Namor, give me Imperius Rex Namor, mm-hmm. but this has all the feels written all over it. Looks phenomenal. I can't wait. Definitely got to go get tickets after the show here yeah. tonight.
1: No, it's, it should be amazing. Uh, switching over to some James Bond news. Uh, so, of course, Amazon recently acquired MGM Studios and and the James Bond franchise. Uh, so. And, of course, the history, I guess you could say, of James Bond streaming has always been an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, of course, over the course of the last 10 years, you'd have a number of films show up on Netflix for a month or a couple months, and then they float away. There was a channel on Pluto TV, which if you haven't checked out Pluto TV, highly recommend it. There's a lot of stuff on there. It's kind of worked, deceptive. It's it's deceptively good because it's not like a Netflix or a Hulu, but it's it's kind of like a traditional television broadcast, but it's like. All older stuff, you know, and, and it's on, on like television. It's got it's on from a set time. They're brief, like 30 second commercials, mm-hmm. you know, but then it kind of goes, you know, there was a, a James Bond channel on Pluto TV off and on over the last couple of years, which i got to say, I love being able to turn on a, a James Bond channel. And there's a movie playing at all hours of the day. Holy shit. That's amazing. You know, and then there was some on Hulu. There's some on Amazon Prime. But now with Amazon Prime having the James Bond franchise starting on October 5th, every doctor, every James Bond. I almost said every Doctor Who. Yeah. Every James Bond film from Doctor No. Well, I should say every official James Bond
0: movie. We're, mm-hmm. we're
1: not talking Never Say Never Again in the original Casino Royale because those are not official films. Right. Uh, but every official James Bond film from Dr. No through, you know, Russia with Love, Skyfall, No Time to Die. So every film will be available uh, to stream on Prime Video. Ooh. So if you have yet to see some of those James Bond films, highly recommend you do. Uh, starting on October 5th, you will be able to see everything. Uh, as part of, and of course, this year is the franchise's 60th. Count them 60. And your 60th anniversary, uh, the streamer also plans to release a documentary called The Sound of 007 on October 5th, which is going to have interviews with Billie Eilish, Duran Duran, Paul McCartney, some of the f- other. That's f- going to be fun. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be awesome. And, and there looks to be a lot of archival footage from over the years of just recording. And it's all about the music, which I would arguably put the James Bond theme song up there with like a Star Wars you know, or that's bold statement coming or, for you or, there or Jaws. You know, listen, you hear the James Bond theme song. Even if you've never seen a movie, I think you have an idea with you and you see the gun barrel sequence. Mm-hmm. You know what it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's some of the most iconic music of all time. Uh, and then on the same day, uh, they will be Amazon will be releasing the sound of 007 live from the Royal Albert Hall. It's an exclusive recording of a live charity concert. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which, if you go to the James Bond Facebook page, there's a fun little 17-second video of them getting the Royal Albert Hall ready for the the concert. Uh, It looks amazing, and you should definitely check out the trailer for The Sound of 007 that is on YouTube, on the Prime Video
0: uh, YouTube account. It looks amazing. No, it definitely looks phenomenal. I mean, James Bond is just an iconic character, and just with the fandom, that is going to show out, and I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of eyes on that thing, Mm -hmm. too. It looks fantastic. Ken...
1: You know how some people said we're in the darkest timeline? Maybe we're not in the darkest timeline anymore. We're not? No. Because finally, after six we got our six seasons. Now we're just waiting on a movie. Finally confirmed. It's happening. Community movie no. is finally happening. No. Uh-huh. Get out. Reading from an article on variety.com it says, quote, pop, pop the champagne. Maybe it's not the darkest timeline after all, as six seasons in a movie is finally becoming a reality. Peacock has ordered a movie based on the Dan Harmon comedy community, bringing back the original, bringing back original stars Joel McHale, Danny Putty, Allison Brie, Jillian Jacobs, Jim Rash, and Ken Jeong to check in on what the gang from Greendale has been up to since the show ended in 2015. Without sharing specifics, Peacock and Sony Pictures TV, which, which jointly announced the green light on Friday, described the negotiations for Peacock to secure the movie as heavily competitive. As part of the deal, Peacock has also acquired non exclusive rights to the full six season community library, which can also be found on Netflix and Hulu. Community creator Dan Har- Creator Harmon is behind the movie as executive producer and writer, along with Andrew Guest. Mikhail serves as EP, as do Russ krasnoff and gary foster sony pictures tv and universal studios groups universal television and shingle are the studios on the show uh, community ran for f- on nbc for five of this show's six seasons in universal tv served as one of the show's production companies with stony studio lead sony uh, so this is a thing that has been long go an ongoing thing with the show that you know danny putty's character said oh six seasons of movie. and it kind of became this rallying cry for this show six seasons of movie if you haven't seen it it's a phenomenal show uh from start to finish uh, you know obviously certain characters like chevy Chit chevy chase won't be appearing uh because well spoiler alert he's dead in the show yeah uh you know but as for donald glover and yvette nicole brown no word yet on whether they'll be appearing in in the movie or not, but I would imagine they, they would, even if it's just for a quick cameo.
0: I gotta imagine, so I don't think they're gonna leave anybody out of this one. Yeah, the fact that this is actually happening is mind blowing.
1: Yeah, no, it's wild. I'm I'm super excited for it. I binged it during 2020 when I was looking for stuff to watch, and I'd seen a couple episodes with friends, and, and the couple episodes I would seen, I really enjoyed. But then I really dove into it, and my god, it's such a good show. If you like, I said, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out and and watch it for yourself. Yes. And then over to some video games news. Lastly, and certainly not leastly, it was announced by the folks over at CD Projekt Red uh, that there is going to be a new Witcher trilogy. And there's there's going to be three games over the next six years, asterisk, we'll Mm. see. An article according to pcgamer.com says, quote, CD Projekt Red is on an announcement spree at the moment, uh, as well as a Cyberpunk 2077 sequel and plans to include multiplayer in upcoming releases. We finally heard more about the future of The Witcher and it's pretty packed. Project Polaris is the codename for the next Witcher game, according to the image post on Twitter. The game will indeed be a story-driven, open-world RPG built on the legacy of The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. But that's not where this stops. It's the beginning of a new, full Witcher trilogy of games, and all three of these games in the trilogy will be released within a six-year period. Project Polaris is only in pre-production right now, so it'll be a while before the six years begin, but in any case, it's very exciting time for Witcher fans. The subject matter is still yet to be revealed, but CD Projekt Red have already shown us one detail that's important to the uh, story's plot the School of the Witcher protagonist may be from. Uh, when, the Witcher, uh, when The Witcher 4 was announced, the image of the cat-like medallion was released to celebrate the new chapter of the series. Though at first many thought it was the School of the Cat, there were other fans that thought it might uh, look more like the School of the Lynx. This is supposed to be the school founded by Lambert of uh, What-A-Prick fame mm-hmm. and sorceress Kira Metz uh, with other school cat, School of the Cat veterans. Uh, The details are still thin on the ground of what we can expect, but three games is better than one. Well, as long as CD Projekt Red prepare themselves well for that six-year period, having learned from the release of Cyberpunk 2077.
0: Yeah, that's the one thing I'd be a little skeptical of there. That
1: was a hot mess, but I'm super excited for another Witcher game. I played The Witcher Three. It is one of the best games of all time I've ever played, hands, hands down. Uh, I bought a co- I was looking for something to play. This was in 2019. I was looking for something to play. You know, I went down to my local GameStop, and I was looking around for some stuff. And there was some stuff I'm like, yeah, no, no. And then I, I came upon The Witcher, and I was like, you know what? I've heard some good stuff about this, and I picked up a copy of uh, I forget. I think it's called like the Complete Edition or whatever it is, mm-hmm. where it's with all the DLC included. So okay. there's the two DLC packs included with it. Um, I picked it up for, like, $11 or something like that. I put north of 150 hours into that
0: game. That's crazy. And
1: I didn't even have everything done. You know, so it is a game that I highly recommend you check out, especially the series. The book series are amazing. Everything Witcher is amazing. But the fact they're doing more... Uh, which are games? Sign me up. I'm here for it. I'll be pre ordering these the instant they're available.
0: I tell you, there's, it's still going strong. I mean, obviously, the Netflix show brought in a whole new fan base to it, yeah. too. So, I mean, it's a perfect time yeah. to do that. So, it makes complete sense to me about that.
1: Yeah. And then, lastly, of course, they mentioned in the previous article, but uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is also beginning a full sequel uh, with CD Projekt Red tweeting out, quote, Orion is a codename for our next Cyberpunk game, which will take play- take the Cyberpunk franchise further and continue harnessing the potential of this dark future universe. Uh, there are no details. So, but multiplayer may be a factor, you know, they are planning on adding multiplayer into, uh, you know, into cyberpunk, uh we'll see you know i am not going to pre-order it like i did the first one i got burned in the ass on that one yeah i have yet to actually finish the game just because it was so bug-filled and i now mind you i was playing on ps4 because i still don't have a ps5 mm-hmm. you know but the ps4 version was so bug-ridden and bug-filled and it literally i think at one point took up half of the memory space on my system okay just because there were so many updates and they were so huge like i remember getting the game you know, installing it and then the install, down, install download was insane. Like I couldn't even let it finish. It took me three days from picking the game up before I could actually play the goddamn thing, because there was there was the initial update that was a massive amount of gigabytes. Then you know I had I went to bed and had to go to work the next day and I came home. All right, let's try and finish the install. Oh hey, there's another update of multi. It was like 15 gigs or some absurd shit like this. Like, there were so many updates put out for this that, like, literally at one point it took up half of the memory space on my PlayStation. Damn. You know, so I, maybe I'll get back to it at some point and finish it. I don't know, but I, I'm going to wait and see on this one, you know, because it was fun for what I played and it was definitely innovative and it was different, you know, from from what CD Projekt Red had done in the past or anything I had played in the past. But just way too many bugs, you know, You know, especially where, like, I'm driving down the road in, in, my, in the motorcycle, and I'm hitting, like, 150, 200 miles an hour, whatever it is, and I'm driving so fast that, like, the world can't load to keep up with me, and it's – and I don't want to say the game is freezing, but the game is pausing, mm-hmm. and it's stopping me hard that, like, the music is still playing, and then you still hear the engine revving sound, but it's just waiting for the rest of the world to load. Yeah. You know, it was just stuff like that really took me out of it.
0: I could understand that completely. Like, I – that whole game was just a mess. It was. Like just. There's no other nice way to it put it. It was a
1: lot of promise because CD Projekt Red with the Witcher franchise, amazing games. Mm-hmm. So you hear, oh, they're going to do an, you know, a first-person open-world RPG game. Oh, fucking cool. And then it was just a fall flat on their face.
0: Then you get that. So for my one-shots here, I'm going to do something that we typically don't do here on the ODPH. And that is an abbreviated preview of New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. So this year has been a, an interesting experience. tumultuous To say the least, yeah, between uh, panel registration to uh, press registration to a few other things in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely been a more unique experience, to say the least. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave it like that. So for all the information that you're going to really need for New York Comic Con this year, you definitely want to go check, check out NewYorkComicCon.com. But for the stuff that I definitely want to highlight because they're the people that reached out to us and said, hey, do you mind coming down and swinging through when you come through the Javits this weekend? I am more than happy to plug them. And obviously the first one up to bat for us is Comixology. If you listen to Parlay Points whenever we talk, we love the line of comics they have going on there. They've got a big presence going on this weekend at New York Comic Con too. Especially there is a panel on Saturday at noon, Scott Snyder and Jock talking about the brand new book, Book of Evil Ooh. that just came out. It is in parlay points this week. I give it a very, very high recommendation. Mm-hmm. It is a wild series because Pad just because I, I can talk spoilers since the book is out today. Okay. So if the world, for whatever reason, in, like let's say the '60s, yeah, turned 92% of it turned into psychopaths when you turn puberty. Okay. The 8% that's remaining, okay, didn't. Hmm. And the world is structured a lot different than you would think. Oh, yeah. How do you survive in this world? That is the premise. I call that a Tuesday. You can call that a Tuesday all you want, but you might see some similarities here. What Snyder and Jock do with this book, out the gate, it's phenomenal. You see it through a journal of a character named Homer and how he is going through. Literally, I called it in the blog. I called it his odyssey to survive this world because he has to find out a lot about what's going on around him. It's a very intense read. It's a horror book. It definitely will hit you very hard. The artwork by Jacques, when it's in there, I because I don't want to spoil too much about it. Man, does it hit on all points. So I give it a very, very high recommendation. They're doing a panel about this, like I said, on Saturday at noon. Uh, so you definitely want to make sure if you're at the Javits to go down check it out. We're gonna be down there for it. I am definitely have that circled on my calendar. Also, Marvel Comics has got is returning to NYCC. You know when they're in the building, they're doing a lot of big things. They have a massive uh, Captain America Cold War this week in Marvel special event going on Thursday at 145. The next day, it's Marvel Fanfare with C.B. Sobalski. And that's always a fun time. This year, Pad, Jonathan Hickman and Steve Wacker are going to be in attendance. Oh, nice. So that is going to be something as well. You also want to check out the Books of Futures Past, 6 o'clock on on Friday night as well. Saturday, Marvel's Voices, The World Outside Your Window is looking like an amazing panel. One of my personal favorites from Marvel they're doing is Marvel Comics' Next Big Thing. You've been to that in the past? Yeah. So that is one you definitely want to check out, especially they're promising uh, some more information about the Spider-Man X-Men crossover dark web that's coming
1: that, that panel i can tell you just from experience of having gone to it in years past is one that like you go in with certain expectations and a lot of times those expectations are met with like they're going to talk about x y and z but then they also drop tidbits and little bits of information that aren't exactly out in the world yet and they're like oh here's who's going to take over this book upcoming and you're like wait what
0: yeah so it's, it's always a fun panel it's one of my favorites to go down and see what's going on with marvel and then on sunday october 9th the women of marvel panel is going to be there as well and that is definitely one you definitely want to go check out a lot of definitely is because they're put on a star-studded event not to be outdone warner brothers discovery definitely has a lot of things going on as well too they're really taking over the main stage on sunday so they have a doom patrol and titans panel that's going to be going on obviously those two shows are getting ready to come back for their uh what presumably could be the final seasons
1: i would imagine so
0: uh titans they've announced uh, some still photos of brother blood this season and a costume looks really cool I'm liking where that direction is going. I think last season, Titans definitely stepped their game up, so I think if they take what they got there in the right direction, I think we can go a lot of different places. They also have different panels going on for the new uh, animated show Velma. from the Scooby-Doo Universe. Also, there is a panel going on for the Batman Audio Adventures. Oh. So I know that that that's something you're into. Uh, I know they've obviously... Every year they have a Gotham City panel, so they talk about the Gotham books. They talk yep. about Superman. Yep. I know they're going to be talking about the death of Superman 30th anniversary coming up this year. The multiverse is going on too. Uh, if you're into Supernatural, we do have a lot of fans of that. They're going to be showing uh, doing a panel for the pilot for the Winchesters. Mm. So this is going to be the the uh, it's the pilot screening, right? Right. But for the prequel, the of prequel, Supernatural. yeah. So that's something that's going to be going on, and then. We actually were invited. The ODPH is going to be down at the Mortal Kombat Legends Snowblind Premier. Oh, interesting. So on Wednesday, uh, I'm going to be going with Rich from 3FN since you're not going to be in attendance. Yeah, no,
1: uh, I'm not attending this year. Through no other reason than just I got other, st- uh, other things going on.
0: No, that's fair. Yeah. So Rich is going to be my plus one all week doing ODPH Press. And we're going to be down there uh, covering this. And uh, Tom from Off the Cuff Games is going to be down there as well. From the ex- so we just found that out today. So. Uh, we'll be down there for the Mor- Mortal Kombat's Legends Snowblind panel and our, the preview, actually, but they are going to be running a panel on Saturday as well. And one of the bigger panels of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, because that's the definition for the animated films, mm-hmm. they're coming out with Batman and Superman, The Battle of the Super Sons. Oh, yeah,
1: the new uh, new movie.
0: Yeah, so they got a lot of stuff going on there. You definitely want to go check that out. That's just like a little tip of the iceberg, too, for them. They really loaded up this weekend with a lot of cool things going on. Pennyworth is... um. Going to be doing a big panel down there, too. There is just something for everybody. Jim Lee isn't going to be in attendance, too. Wow. I know, I know that he has a Jim Lee and Friends panel, according to the press release we got, Friday, October 7th at 3.15. Mm. So I'm not sure who's going to be showing up there, but is Jim Lee talking with his friends? I'm going to be in attendance for that. I definitely have that circled on my calendar. So we have that going on. Amazon Prime Video has a lot of stuff going on, too. A Rings of Power and Wheels of Time panel is going to be happening. A couple new shows they have coming out, so you definitely want to make sure you're in attendance for that. But I think what I have circled most on my calendar, shout out to everybody at Fandom. They have invited us to their party going on Friday night in New York City. This is uh, one of their big events that they do. Fandom is definitely doing a lot of really cool things and ice Tea and Cocoa are set to host. Wow. Sarface and Cool Keith are going to be performing. Like, it's going to be a fun night going on, so definitely shout-out to them. It's the party reading directly from the press releases sent to us. The Fandom Party in New York is presented by Paramount+. Plus, Ardbeg, Islay, Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, Graphic Novel and collect- Collectibles Publisher Z2 Comics, Heinz, Ketchup, and Pinfinity. So there's going to be a lot of stuff going yeah. on with that. We're going to be taking a lot of pictures, definitely making our presence felt down there. Super excited to be down there. Shout out to everybody at Fandom there. And uh, stay tuned. Might have some more stuff rolling out after con uh, from this party as well. So we'll just have to kind of say putting the karma on the world, if you will. But New York Comic Con definitely is going to be an experience this year. I'm more, to be honest with you, this year I'm more excited. We're going to be actually have time to hang out with uh, Dan, Jen, and Mark from Game Ball Pod. We kind of had um, like a quick second to take eye with them last year. are <laughs> going to see them down there. Obviously, Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming is going to be in the build-in. The Nerd Initiative people are going to be down there, and they definitely reached out want to meet up too. So if anybody wants to say, hey, if you're going to be down in New York Comic Con this year, uh, hit us up on Twitter at ODPH Podcast. Let us know where you're going to be at. We'll try saying hi as we're making through. Definitely have a lot of plans to run into a couple creators that we've talked to over the years, such as Scott Snyder, Ryan Parrott, we're planning on uh, chatting up with a little bit. Ryan, we have to talk about football. Pad, you do know that he is a Miami Dolphins fan. I've heard. And you he follows you on Twitter, too. Oh, okay. So uh, I want to see about this, too. He's like, he we, we need to discuss things. So uh, maybe we'll have a little fun thing talking with Ryan about this. Because that is going to segue for anything New York Comic Con, you definitely want to follow them on the socials. A lot of cool things going on, but for the ODPH, we're definitely going to be plugging everything that we were sent to go do, so you'll see a lot of that going on this weekend. Trust us, we got some stuff lined up for the ODPH. But speaking of Ryan Parrott, we're talking new comic book day. Okay. Rogue Son number 7 is coming out. Now, due to the fact we're recording this now and the episode will be posted before Wednesday, I can't go into spoilers. What I can say is the variant cover says it all. Make your own decisions. This book is going to be one you want to pick up in your comic shops this week, bar none. Highly, highly recommend that. Also, since we're talking Massive Verse, The Dead Lucky number three is coming out. You don't want to miss that. I'm telling you, both those series under Black Market Narrative are absolutely crushing it. They might be the real house of ideas. I'm going to put that out there right now. They're doing so much creative stuff with their promotions. With their comics, like that whole universe is just one to follow. And like I said, they got two absolutely quality books coming out. You'll see those in Parlay Points uh, on Wednesday morning. 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is when they drop, so you definitely want to make sure you check that out. Also, Basilix, number 12 from Boom Studios. Cullen Bunn, Jonas Sharps epic series concludes with a can't-miss issue. You definitely want to check out if you've been following this whole story. It's been a wild ride to say the least. You don't want to miss it when it drops, and it ends with an issue that's going to be very, very satisfying for the fans that have been there since day one. I will say that, rest assured. For Marvel, though, Savage Avengers number six is coming out. David Pepos, Carlos Magno. Uh-oh. And we're in 2099. You can Mm. see it right on the cover. I'm I'm not going to spoil anything there. You definitely want to go check that out. And then my last recommendation for this week, there is a book coming out from Dan Slott and Mark Bagley, and it's Spider-Man. Hey, That's all I need to say. So you want to go check this out. They were hyping this up a little bit over San Diego Comic-Con and over the weeks we've heard a little tricklings about this. The book is finally going to drop, so definitely make sure you add that to your pull list this week. And as we always say, support your local comic shops wherever you're at and support your favorite comic podcasts because we're putting in the work trying to make you informed of what you need to add to your collections. Enough said. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That is it for this star-studded edition of the ODPH podcast for Padawan J, Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.